Hey guys, welcome back. It's Drew Eaton, your host. I have a 12U soccer update, so stay tuned. Let's go. Even when you feel low, you can still go. Even when you feel slow, you can still go. Even when there's no hope, you can still go. I never answered a no, man, I still go. Go, 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 go. soccer update I had a practice last Tuesday had six kids show up six out of shape they've been playing Fortnite all summer and quite frankly it was just too damn hot to be running around outside this past summer. I mean, we I think we had record days of 100, 100 degrees straight here in San Angelo. So I get it, you know. And we damn near shut down our pool because it was too damn hot. It was like, you know, swimming in bath water. But so I had six kids show up out of shape. So what we do, we do about an hour of conditioning. And I'm not sure if the six are going to return. Because on Thursday, we had to cancel practice because of homecoming activities. So our next practice is going to be on Tuesday, this coming Tuesday. And I'm really interested to see who shows up. Because quite frankly, we need nine people to play the game. Only six showed up. There are a few people that weren't getting the messages. We had to create a damn group me in the app and, you know, open, you know, we had to create a group inside the group me app. And so to ensure that everyone gets, which is probably the best, you know, just to ensure everyone gets the messages, but yeah. And I didn't even have the goals, um, or all the soccer balls. Luckily everyone brought one, but you know, one thing I did though, at the end of practice was, you know, we bring them all in, we put our hands in the middle and, our team name is Sharks. So I look at this kid, this young, you know, 12-year-old kid, and I said, dude, break us down. You know, let's end this practice. Break us down, bud. That's what I said to him. He looks at me like I have 12 heads. I'm like, what are we going to do, man? We're going to say, go team, go, go Sharks, you know, Whatever, whatever you want to say, but he looks at me, he's like, I don't know. I'm like, damn. And, I, and then I said, quote, come on, kid, be a leader. He looks at me and he's like, that's, that's not me. It's not what I do. Which, you know, I kind of put him on the spot, but I wanted to see what he's going to do. He didn't do what I wanted him to do, but. We'll get there. And it's, I tell you that, you know, small little story there because, you know, we're here on this on this podcast, on this broadcast, talking about, you know, talking about leadership. And specifically today and on this episode number two, and before I get into that, man, I want to thank all of you guys that reached out to me and gave me some feedback and, and listened to the podcast. Man, I... I didn't expect the number of people to listen. 
to be honest with you. I was thinking like 10, but we had 50 people to date, you know, 50 in a week, which I think is great. Um, listen to episode one, which was kind of like a mixture of all the things, right? I mean, we went everywhere last week. But to this week, today, and uh, on episode two, we're going to stay on one topic specifically. We might venture off, but one topic specifically is going to be why people leave places as far as workplaces and, um, you, know, you know, in my case, units, you know, especially if they're not, you know, tasked to go somewhere. You know, a lot of people in the military, they'll, they'll actively try to leave a place. All right. Why is that? Is it mission or, you know, purpose maybe? I think sometimes it's probably purpose. You know, they, they, they want something more. You know, maybe one specific place is kind of boring or not a lot going on there, so they want to go do something a little more high tempo, which I, I get that 100%. But I would say nine times out of ten, people leave a workplace or a unit or a base, or whatever the case is, because of the people that are there. When, when in my in my situation, I moved. I've moved. I lived in Colorado. I lived in Louisiana, and I've been in Texas for the last shoot. I don't know, six years, going on seven years, I think, and. The great state of Texas, by the way. I love it here. It is hot, but I, I do love it. The people are what have made the places I've been. I've been to some great places. But let's just go down the list. Buckley Air Force Base in Aurora, Colorado, right next to Denver. I walk outside my back porch, and there's the Rocky Mountains. That's all great. But a place like that could be miserable if the people suck. Fortunately for me, I met the some of the greatest people in my life still today at that place. And that was 11 years ago when I left there. I go to Shreveport, Louisiana. Louisiana's hot, it's muggy. It's nice there. I loved it. But I loved it because of the people. Then I moved down to San Antonio. Big city, lots to do. We have kids, you know, three three girls. And it's great. High tempo mission, always busy with work, which can be exhausting if you're with a shitty group of people. And you have you're on a shitty team, and you know your bosses suck, your your teams suck, but they didn't. They were great. San Antonio was great. It was a great experience for me. I move up to San Angelo. We kind of touched on this last week, but again, small town, 
Not a lot to do three hours from any big city. Small little town. My speed. I grew up in a small town. But the people are what make or break this place. Mission slow. But this is a, you know, the place I'm at now, The this is where... You can sink or swim at a small place like this where it's not high tempo. It's not very busy. But you can sink if you have bad leadership. You can sink if you have no discipline and motivation. But you can also rise to the top if you have good leadership that want, that support you in your endeavors and, you know, you lay out a roadmap of where you want to be and they support that roadmap for you. Not only do they support it, but they enable it, right? They help you get there. They set you up with things that you may not want to do, but you understand that you have to do them to get to where you want to be. Those are the type of leaders that you want to have in your in your career, in your life. You know, the kind of mentors you want to have. And fortunately, here at Goodfellow for me, um, we've had bad leadership here. We've also had great leadership here. So places that you go to in your workplaces and in your units and things like that, those are, they are what you make it, right? And, and the people around you and the people you surround yourself with are what they make it. The place can be great or shitty based off the people. Because bad leaders, they come. And they'll stay for a while, but eventually they'll leave, especially in the military. Every two years, typically, is when the command teams switch out. But it's not always the commander, right? Sometimes it's your, your direct supervisor that may be there longer than you. And then you're stuck with them. Or you're stuck with them in a good way where you don't want to leave them. There's 12 brutal truths that every employer needs to know when your best and this is like i said nine times out of ten but this is the case the the employees the good hard charging employees leave nine times out of ten because of leadership not the job not pay because here's the deal. Like, if you have a great team and good leadership that supports what you want to do and you're good at your job, why would you want to leave? People like comfort and they don't like change. So when someone leaves, it says something, right? When your best people leave, it's not them, it's you. If you're looking at yourself in the mirror as a leader, it's not, or you quote unquote call yourself one, right? It's not, it's not them. They're not the problem. It's you. Something along the line, you did something wrong. In their eyes, right? And therefore, for this new COVID thing, when everyone started working remote, now everyone's like, get back in the office, get back to work. Yeah, I mean, I get that to an extent. But really, what is that? Because I, what I heard, and this could be wrong for some of you guys, but what I heard is that productivity didn't really change. 
We still companies still put out the same, if not greater productivity while people were working remote. And so you don't really have a remote work issue, do you? You have a trust issue. You have an issue with micromanaging and that you want to micromanage people. But an argument also could be said that if I'm in the office as an employee, I'm going to get my work done because I have my supervisors and my bosses there doing it where I was, if I was at home, shit, I might get to it. Right. And I think that's what the mindset of, of the leaders are. Right. But I don't think we have a remote work issue. We have a trust issue. But if we're still putting out the same product and our same, our productivity hasn't gone down, why not let people work from their home? If they're able to do that, right? Management that can't handle feedback won't survive change. When you're given a feedback session, and we're going to have a whole episode on feedback by itself, but when you're given a feedback, uh, when you're given a feedback session with an employee or a troop, the first thing, and I'm giving two this week, two on Tuesday, I'm giving. Uh, feedback sessions with two of my guys. But I'm going to ask them, what can I work on? In your eyes, right? Because everyone sees everything differently. So if there's something that I can do better for them or for our team or whatever the case is, I I might be just blind to it because I have so many things going on and same with you guys as, as bosses and managers and supervisors and things like that. You have so many other things going on, especially if you have multiple people that you're in charge of, that you may be blind to one specific area, especially your hard workers, right? Typically, I feel like our hard workers kind of get forgotten about because when we are so focused on the other aspects of our job or our, um, you know, the multiple other troops or employees that we have and that aren't, that we're in charge of. We consciously think or subconsciously think like, okay, the, that guy, let's say Jim, our hard worker is, he's going to get his shit done, right? Like he's going to knock it out. It's going to be a great product and I don't have to worry about him. So sometimes those guys getting, those, those guys get forgotten and when you're in a feedback session with them, which you should have with your employees and with your troops and things like that, those are the things that sometimes get brought up. You know, I work so hard and I get forgotten about, which some people like that. They go, they work, and they go home. They do everything they're supposed to do, and boom, done. I mean, what are you going to argue with there? So keep that in mind when you're giving your feedback sessions. And also keep in mind and expect to have feedback from them. You should ask for that. You know, as a leader and as a manager or supervisor, you should be asking feedback constantly from your employees and your troops and your subordinates because they're probably going to give you better feedback than anyone else 
and if you're if you're not asking for that and you're not accepting that feedback and you're brushing it off or you're coming up with excuses of why you do this and why you do that well what do you think's going to happen people are going to leave and they're going to go work for somebody that they can talk to they can have an open conversation about and be honest and trustworthy about their performance as an employee and your performance as a supervisor or a boss or a leader. And there's a difference between a leader and a boss. But we'll get into that too. If your actions don't align with your values, your employees won't trust you. So you may preach and preach and preach and say, hey guys, we need to do this, we need to do that, and you know, these are the values of our company, and this is what I value. I value hard work, discipline, motiv or motivation, and um, you know, self-work. You know, find, go find work. Be self-motivating. But if you aren't practicing that yourself as a leader, they're not gonna fucking believe you. They're not gonna trust you because they're gonna see you not doing whatever it is that you're saying that they should do. Right, but he, and here's the thing: maybe you are busy with administrative tasks and supervisor things and leader boss slash boss management things that they're not privy to or they don't have to deal with. So you're dealing with them. Well, guess what? All it takes is for you to tell them that. All it takes is for you to go out to that. Hey, listen, guys, this is my schedule for the week. If you need me. Like, need me, need me, hit me up. If not, I'm going to be pretty busy for, you know, Monday to Thursday. But Friday, hey, I'm open so we can get after whatever whatever we need to get after. We can do that together and and then hit the weekend. Like, that little spiel right there will go a long way with your employees and your troops. And that's not a difficult thing to say. It's when you don't communicate that and they see you over here in the corner on TikTok Monday through Thursday and then you leave early on Friday and say, see you. And they're like, what the fuck, dude? I've been grinding all week. I needed help with this and that. And you're just fucking, you're just sitting there and then that builds and builds and builds and guess what those people do? They'll go find somewhere else to work. Your diversity program is hollow if your leadership team all looks the same. Sometimes there's no, we don't have a say in But if I'm an owner of a company, I hire the people. And if you think I'm not going to hire the best person regardless of sex, race, gender, religion, then you're wrong. However, I think there's value in having a diverse leadership group of your company to attract the best people. Underpaying your people doesn't make you cost-effective. It makes you short-sighted. There's, there's companies out there that are underpaying their people because they want to make the most money. How do we make the most money with paying our people what they deserve? That's the, that's the question you, you need to ask your board, your leadership team, 
whatever the case is, whoever is making those decisions, if it's just you, you need to ask yourself that question. How do I pay my people the most that they deserve and still make money? If it's me, I'm giving them stake in the, in the organization, some skin in the game, if you will. So when they make more money, I make more money. Come up with a program where if your employees sell X amount of items, and the more they sell, obviously the more they make, and the more I make. That's, it seems simple to me. But there's these companies all around the world that, especially in America, that want to pay their employees minimum when nothing when when groceries cost what they cost, we can barely get back and forth to work because gas and fuel prices are so damn high. And and there's people try like your your employees aren't going to be able to come to fucking work, guy, if we ain't paying them significant wages. Don't be so fucking stingy. You're going to make yours. Train your team, right, to go make money for the company, and you're going to make your money. And the more money they make, the more money they get, the more money you get. I mean, it's it's just math, I guess. It's just math. A toxic culture will tarnish your brand no matter how good your products are. Toxic culture. Man, toxic leadership, that term toxic toxic leadership, toxic culture, it's one of the same, you know, it's, it gets thrown around in the military so much, toxic leadership, and some of it's valid, okay, but here's Drew Eaton's philosophy on toxic, on the word toxic, you know, on the phrases toxic leadership and toxic culture, why as soon as we get our feelings hurt, or as soon as someone holds us accountable for an action we did or didn't do that we were supposed to or weren't supposed to do. Why all of a sudden, why are we so quick to say this is a toxic work environment or this is a toxic leadership team? I swear, like, it's the first thing that comes into these kids' mind and, and I don't know where they're getting taught this. Or what the case is, I think it's kind of uh, we call them dorm room lawyers, you know. When the air, when the young airmen, they live in the dorms and they just talk to each other, you know, and they'll talk to each other about work and all that stuff. And I think that they think that as soon as, as soon as something goes wrong in the workplace or they get disciplined for whatever reason, they are now it's all of a sudden there's a toxic work environment. Which listen. A few years ago, I think there used to be a lot of toxic work environments. But now, I think it's so conscious on leaders' minds to make everyone, make it fair for everyone, right? And make sure that we're treating everyone fairly, which we should have been doing from the beginning. Um, but there's still some discipline that needs to be handled from time to time. And just because you hand out some discipline to a troop or an employee, whatever the case is, it doesn't mean that you're in a toxic work environment. That means you should be happy that you are in a company, you're in a unit, you're on a team that is holding people accountable 
for the things that they do or they don't do. Now it's on that leader and that leadership team to make sure that they're holding everyone to that same standard. Because if I'm holding one person to one standard and I discipline this person, but then, you know, Tanya over here does the same thing and we don't hold her to the same standard and we don't discipline her the same, that's when it becomes toxic. That's when you have favoritism and that's when it becomes a toxic environment, right? A toxic culture. The customer experience will never exceed the employee experience. Your employees should always come first. This, this reminds me of, you know, the teachers in this country. We take our teachers for granted so much. Here's the reality of it. If they didn't sign up to make $35,000 a year teaching your bratty-ass kids at school that don't fucking listen and don't pay attention, then you wouldn't be able to go to work. You'd have to keep your ass at home and try to teach your kid. And I don't know about you, but if you've never taught your own kid, it's fucking hard, man. Okay? It's real hard. So they're there so you can get your ass to work and support your family. Aren't they there to help your kids develop and learn at a young age that they should be growing into young men, young women, and then when they graduate high school, they go on into universities or trades or whatever the case is, and they are the ones that are guiding your children through life. So many teachers are their mentors, are their confidants, are their um, therapists, because they don't want those kids feel guilty about bringing home issues to you after you know you got your own issues and they see that right and sometimes they just don't want to talk to mom and dad they want to talk to somebody else and guess who they go and talk to and confide in the teachers man so if we in this country and as administrative teams of districts put more emphasis on developing and helping and paying teachers, they wouldn't be so drugged down. If your teachers aren't good and your teachers aren't where they need to be in their headspace, then the students will suffer. And they teachers get into that headspace of I'm not doing enough or I'm overworked or whatever the case is. Why do they get there? Because of the leadership teams. Because of the district fucking rules. Take away the micromanaging and, and administrative down to the teacher level. Like that gap in between there, take that away. And just let the teachers do their fucking jobs, man. Pay them well. Know that they have, they come home and they're doing work. They come home, they're grading tests. They come home, they're going to school. To better themselves. For what? I mean, I know why they're doing it. My wife does that. She's going, she's going through her master's, class, her master's classes right now. Why is she doing that? To better herself. To get her a higher paying job in the district. Whatever the case is. So we have to value our teachers before we value our kids in the schools. That is my opinion. Because if you don't do that, then the kids will ultimately suffer. If the kids suffer 
And it's going to set them up for failure when they become adults. Micromanagement isn't a sign of dedication. It's a warning sign. Micromanagement is not a sign of dedication. Okay, just because you go around checking on shit. Now, you should do some follow-up on some things. I'm not saying you shouldn't. But just because you're standing over someone's shoulder, making sure they're doing the thing that you told them to do correctly, that is, like, by definition, micromanaging. And we've all had a boss or supervisor or something like that that has done that to us. Like, that's not... You're not showing me that you're in it. You know, that you're you're here for the team. Like, no, dude, get the fuck off my back. Let me do my job. Like, you shouldn't. Here's the thing, man. If if a boss is, tells you, I we're start we're here at A, and we are we need to get to Z. Okay, we're starting at A. We need to get to Z. Go. And if the boss is worried how you get to Z, that's a problem. As a boss, if you're going around checking on E, F, and G, R, S, T, that's an issue, man. That's micromanaging. Now you could follow up and say, hey, where are we at on that project? Okay, sweet. Give them a deadline. Hey, I need that done next Friday. All right, perfect. But if we're going around checking all the letters as they do it, it doesn't show that you're dedicated. It shows you're an asshole, that you don't trust your employees. When you don't trust them, they're not going to trust you, and then they're going to leave. And now you just created more work for yourself. When, when you're going through these things and, and one of these things resonates with you, that if, if you're a leader of a, of a team or whatever the case, and one of these things resonates with you that you're doing, stop doing it and see the productivity increase. Because I promise you it will. If you just tell them, hey, I need to get to Z, who gives a shit how you get there, just as long as it's not illegal and moral or you know, it goes against the core values of your company, then who cares as long as we get there? You give them a deadline, they bring it to you next Friday, boom, done. Now, when there's problems with the product, we can go back through of how we got to this solution or got to this final product. But if the product is what you need it to be and what you told them, Fucking let it be. Don't be over their shoulder the whole time. Because it doesn't show that you're any more dedicated, man. You know, bosses think that they feel like they're involved when they do that shit. It's like, no, dude. Listen, you told me to do something, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to get it to you by when you told me to get it to you by. Just fucking leave me alone. <laughs> like I said, you could check up on it, right? You know, give three, four, you give them two weeks, right? At the end of the first week, hey, where are we at? Give me a percentage. That's all I want to know. Give me a percentage. You know, 30%. All right, sweet. Now you know he's got some work to do. He's got 70% to make up next week, right? Where he gets it to you. That's all you need to know. Who gives a shit? They'll get it done. You trust them to get it done. Top talent won't stay if their growth isn't your priority. Or we touched on this in the beginning, kind of with the feedback thing, right? Top talent will not stay if your growth is not their priority. If your growth is more of a priority than their growth, that's a problem. That's when people are going uproar, dude. What's wrong with growing together? If you're a supervisor or a leader of a section in a company and you want to get promoted, we all want to get promoted. We all want to get more money and 
You know, a lot of us want to have more responsibility. I get it. But you better be bringing your people with you. And if you're not, that's an issue. Your people's priorities should be more important than your own growth. And your own growth should be up there with them, right? It should. If we have a chart, it should be your people's priority. And right underneath that should be your own growth. But you can really do those the same if you do it the right way. If you have to go tackle a project together, it's going to be a high visible product. All right, a lot of people are going to see it. A lot of people that matter are going to see this. And you as a team have to get it done. But because all the people are going to see it and it's going to be high vis, you take it on yourself is what I've seen. I've seen a lot of people do that because it's going to be high vis. They want to say that they did it. Well, that's you're not bringing your people with you. That's prioritizing yourself above your people. That's when you lose them. That's when they'll go somewhere else. Because at the end of the day, here's the reality. If your people succeed, you succeed. If your people get promoted, if your people get awards, if your people get recognized, if your people bust their ass and put out a a high-value product day in and day out, I thrive on that shit. We talked a little bit last week about my teams that I've been on, and I've had some high-octane, highly proficient teams that could do things on their own without oversight. You told them to get to Z, and they got the fucking Z. They got the Z before you told them you needed them to be there. They put out a great product every single day. Guess what? You recognize that stuff. Even at the smallest level, if you recognize that stuff, they appreciate it. And here's the thing about that, all that. If you're worried about your growth because you're prioritizing theirs, you will grow too. Because their success is your success. But I've also seen it on, you know, sometimes you just might have a high-achieving high individual on your team. And that person has a shitty boss. And that person will take credit for that highly motivated individual that gets shit done. That sucks when the boss or the leader of the team doesn't do shit, but you got, you have, you know, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten highly motivated, hard charging people that fucking work their asses off, and the boss gets recognized too because he's the team. He's the team leader, right? And I've been on teams like that. My fucking leader or my supervisor didn't do a fuck thing. Not one thing. That that contributed to the success of our team. But I've also been on teams where my boss highly contributed to the success of our team. So I've been on both sides of that. But the I think the the point there is if if your people are succeeding, you are succeeding. Leading by fear creates teams that underperform. I always tell my guys, if you do everything right and these these students still fail, whatever the case, but you taught you know you taught the class as you should. You didn't skip over anything, you let them practice, and they still go out and they shoot, you know, shitty, whatever they're supposed to whatever they do to fail. But if you have to look back and say, Man, I could have done this different, or I could have I could have done that better. 
then that now that's on you. So I really challenge my guys in particular that every single day that they come in and they teach, they need to make sure that they're putting forth the best possible product that they can. Do we have bad days? And this is me telling them, right? And I, I say all this shit. Do we have bad days? Sure. I get those. I get them, and we're going to have them because we're humans. But what I want you to do if you know you're having a bad day is say, listen, Sardine, someone else is going to teach, or I need you to, I need you to teach because I'm just off my shit. I'm not going to. I'm not going to give these guys everything that I have to give because I don't really fucking have anything today. I tell them to tell me that. Has it happened? Once or twice. It has happened. But I think it's happened because we have a trustworthy relationship, right? Our team is tight. We know that we, everyone knows that, they, that we have each other's back. I think that's so important. God, it's so important to have a successful team. If you want to be, have success in a team, you have to have each other's back, and that's from the top down. But I tell them, as long as they're doing the right thing, I will have your back 100%. I tell them that all the time. Because the strength of the wolf is the pack. And the strength of the pack is the wolf. I'm sure you guys have heard that. It's so true. Not one individual can make the team thrive most times. Workplace success is all about having each other's back, having a good culture. And then if you have all those things, and you're a good leader, you don't micromanage, your culture's great, they know that you have their back, they know they can come and talk to you, and, and you take care of them, right? Another one of my leadership philosophies, and I tell people this all the time, or my teams anyway, if you take care of me, I'll take care of you. I'll take care of you, and you take care of me. Right? We're taking care of each other. Now, all I need them to do is come to work and put out the best product that they possibly can. Now it's easy for me because in, in the military, people value their time the most. And, I don't, and I'm sure it's the same everywhere you go, right? People just value time. It's one thing we just can't get back, right? So time is their currency. Time is their motivator. And so what I like to do as a leader is give time back to those guys. If we're not doing shit, leave. Go play your games. Go be with your family. Go do something out of here. That alone, if they're taking care of me by coming and busting their ass and working hard and providing a good product, I'm going to take care of them in, in that way and more. right? I'm going to give them time off. I'm going to give them a Friday. Now, on Saturday, we've got to do this thing, right? Or this weapons display for this, you know, 9-11 memorial thing that we did this past Saturday. But they're going to get that time off if they already haven't. They know that. And that's why there's, listen, when we got to go on Saturday, there's no question. There's no 
bitching about it. It's just, hey, this is what we got to do. And that has seemed to work for me up until this point. I'm going to continue to do that until I have run into a, uh, a situation where I can't. Right? But I will always try to give people time back because I think that's the greatest currency that you can use. But I also tell them, too, hey, listen, if you're fucking up, if you're not coming in here and busting your ass and you're just going through the motions when we're giving these students weapons and ammo and, and things like that and, and you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, I will take your time. And I have the ability to do that. And they know that. They know that. That's one of the things that I use. Um, and I have, I've yet to have to take someone's time. For the record. If people want to leave their companies and their units, they're going to. But just remember this, man. They will leave because of you. They will leave because you didn't treat them right. They will stay because you treat them right, even if the next job pays more, even if the next job's better for promotion. They'll stay because you treat them right. At the end of the day, at all that shit that we talked about for the last 48 minutes, if you're just a good human being, you can take care of most of that shit. Just be a good human. That's it. I got a 12-view practice this week, Tuesday and Thursday, and then we have our first game Saturday. Listen, guys, I appreciate the support. Let's bump those numbers up. Share this podcast with your friends. Let them know I'm here. I'm in the interwebs. I'm out there, baby. Let's do it. Go, go, go. Go.